This is a Podcast 225 production. The issues. What's going on now? What's happening in the state? The people. Carl Dabity. We've got Michael Shingle, Taylor Moore, Jay Darden, Congressman Garrett Gray, Richard Condon. He is Ryan Clark, Sharon Weston Broom. The podcast. And we're going to talk about that. This is the Clay Young Show. Happy New Year, folks. Yep. Welcome to 2019. This has been kind of a different holiday season as it's gone by. It's so quiet and moving seamlessly into this new year. And who knows what 2019 has in store for all of us. But let's just hope that it is great. Man, it's good to be back. Good to be back in the podcast 225 studio. Good to be back with you on the Clay Young Show and our guest on the first edition of the show for 2019 is a man who knows a whole lot about the good life. David Savona, who is the executive editor of Cigar Aficionado magazine, and they are hot on the heels of the announcement of the top 25 cigars of 2018. It is always something that people look forward to, guys like myself, every year to see which selections make it into the top 25, and more importantly, which ones make it into the top 10, and even more important than that, which one is number one? And we're going to talk with Dave about that in just a moment. And in fact, the the selection, the top 10, was really intriguing. There was, I think there were a couple in there, three in there off the top of my head that I know have been in the top 10 before. And the number one is one that I passed by and one of the local cigar stores here in Baton Rouge, and I saw it. It caught my eye, and I said, hmm, I don't know that I've seen that one before. Just kind of went on about my business, and the very next day, the announcement was made that that particular cigar by E.P. Carrillo was the number one cigar of the year, according to Cigar Aficionado magazine. And if you don't know, Cigar Aficionado magazine is primarily about cigars, and the story behind them, the stories behind the men and women who manufacture them and market them to the country and around the world. And it is also about travel and leisure. You will find in the article things about recipes, whether it be cocktails or food, uh, resorts, you know, golf resorts, beach resorts, different things that go into making life much more enjoyable and it's always one of my favorite times of of any period when that new edition comes to the house and I, I get it at the office as well and so it's it's a really really good one they also have videos of interviews on the website cigaraficionado.com and I, the one I will refer you to is one from a while ago and it, it is an interview between Marvin Schenken who is the the person behind Cigar, he's the founder and creator of Cigar Aficionado magazine, but he interviewed Michael Jordan, and it's fascinating. I think Dave and I talked about it the last time he was on the show. So we'll go back into the process. How does he and Greg Matola go about choosing which cigar is going to make it into the top 25, and 
how they came up with deciding the number one cigar. And uh, Andrew Nagy is in there with him as well. The videos are, are very well done, and you could tell every year they get better and better. So I'm always looking forward to talk to Dave, and we will talk with him next. This is Dr. Mary Catherine Roderick, and I'm Katie Fetzer. We're the owners and co-founders of The Wellness Studio, a mental health practice with locations here in Baton Rouge and Covington. We are also your host for The Waiting Room Podcast here on podcast225.com. Our podcast is a journey into the world of mental health. On our show, we're going to discuss some of the various forms of mental health conditions. We're also going to shed light on the various ways our listeners can get a better understanding of how the mind works and why we do what we do. So subscribe today to get The Waiting Room Podcast here on podcast225.com, iTunes, and the talk. 1073 mobile app. Executone of Louisiana has been helping businesses in Baton Rouge save money on their telecommunications for the 40 years. Executone will help businesses upgrade their phones and intercom systems, save money, and never have to worry about local customer support. Doctors' offices, hospitals, schools, businesses, it doesn't matter. All kind have depended on the good people at Executone to upgrade technology and save money. I have a question for you. Do you like saving money? Sure, of course you do. Here's another one. Do you want to keep the most up-to-date phone and intercom technology while saving money. That's what it's all about. That's a no-brainer. Don't get sucked in by out-of-town companies who are not here if you need technical support. Executone has been here, and they believe in the value of customer service, baby. Don't take my word for it. Give them a call, 225-295-3500. That's 295-3500. Oh, look them up. ExecutoneLA.com. Executone of Louisiana. They still here, and they're going to continue to give you great service. It is one of my favorite times of the year. It is when Cigar Aficionado magazine announces the top 25 cigars from around the world. And we are on the heels of the 2018 announcement. That's right. The top 25 cigars of 2018. Let's get to the bottom of it with Dave Savona, who is the executive editor of Cigar Aficionado magazine, a great magazine for people who are interested in enjoying the good life. So let's talk about it from Cigar Aficionado magazine. Dave Savona is with us now. So, Dave, when you guys are starting the process of first of all, Happy New Year to you. Hey, Clay, happy new year to you, too. A pleasure to be here, and, I, and I'm honored to be uh, on your first podcast. Thank well, you. Listen, it's it's good to have you here to start the year out, and the selection is always so amazing to see. Talk us through how you guys go about the business of choosing the top 25 cigars. Uh, absolutely. It's, a, it's a, a very serious process, one that our readers get excited about, one that we get excited about as editors of the magazine, and one that we know is uh, very important to the cigar industry. So we, we, we take it seriously. Around uh, the October or so, um, we, uh, we, we look at the top ratings of the year, uh, assemble a buy list. We find you know cigars, typically they have to rate 91 points or higher uh, to make our cut. We get rid of any uh, any duplicates, any uh, any. Uh, uh, we take the highest rated one from a brand. So, if uh, say a Padron has a couple of high ratings, we will choose the highest one. If there's a tie, we might choose the the more exciting or the more relevant, more new of the two that are tied uh, from a brand. And then we have our tasting coordinator actually go out and, and repurchase these cigars at retail. Uh, we we buy all the cigars that we rate. You know, we pay a lot of money for our cigars that we uh, we test in the page to Cigar Aficionado. So it's a new test. Um, whole bunch of cigars that uh, that are uh, passed out to the tasters. We taste them blind. Bands are removed. We don't know what they are. Don't know who made them. What country they're from. And they go through another rating process. And from that, we 
we get our top 25. And then at the top of that list, uh, the, the, the contenders, the ones that have done the best in that first round, they get tested again to see you know, who gets named Cigar of the Year. Some years we have a, a couple of uh, the, uh, additional rounds toward the end. Other years it's, uh, it's a little easier to determine which one's number one. And at the end we have a, a number one and we have a top 25. It's so it's always so interesting. And when you, so for those of you who are not familiar with it, there is a reveal that happens over the course of about a week and you start to learn what the top 10 list will look like over the course of, I guess, of about four days. And as you guys are doing the videos and explaining it, a lot of us are learning about some of these cigars that we have not heard of before in fact some of my now favorite cigars have come from the top 10 and it's cigars i had not heard of so how, how does that work because you are also introducing people to brands and and tastings that they may not be familiar with oh sure we uh, we have a video with every one of those top 10 cigars we don't do 25 videos but for the top 10 we we uh, we smoke them. The editors get together, smoke them on camera, talk about them, give a couple of talking points. You get to see the cigars, see how they're lit, see how they perform, see all the different things about them that make them special. Uh, and I I just want to stress when we when we do this countdown that you talked about, uh, we keep this a big secret. We keep it under wraps. <laughs> we go through all. We do every everything we can to keep that information from from getting out. So uh, uh, some people think the cigar makers might be tipped off. Uh, you know, we know them. They think we might have called them up and congratulated them, but we don't do that. They they find out at 10 a.m. on whatever day uh, their cigar appears. Uh, and so they that, that they find out just like the uh, like the consumers find out. We kind of like the surprise, and uh, I think they 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 prefer to get a little tip off. But we we do it that way, and that's the way it's been working pretty well. Well, E.P. Carrillo had the number one cigar of the year, the Encore Majestic, which is a, a really good cigar. It ranked ninety six in your uh, in your rank, ranking system. The third straight Dominican Republic cigar, by the way. But tell me tell me about that phone call when you called E.P. Carrillo's company to let them know that hey, you guys have the number one cigar of, of twenty eighteen. Sure. Well, the the the, the reveal happened uh, that Thursday. Um, uh, December. Oh God, what day was that? Uh, Thursday, December twentieth, um, uh, um, I guess. Yeah, I'm sorry, I'm getting my get my dates confused. Um, ten a.m. They they were named Cigar of the Year. I guess I talked to Ernesto about ten thirty. Um, he called me. Uh, actually, we were having an editorial meeting that day. Uh, he called me up. I took the call. He was ecstatic. <laughs> uh, he had been getting. You know, Ernesto is just just such a great guy. He was. Uh, receiving phone calls from an awful lot of people in the cigar industry who were happy for his success, happy for him being named Cigar of the Year. And uh, he was just uh, over the moon. Uh, he and his daughter, Lisette Perez Carrillo, who was uh, instrumental uh, at the company. Her, actually, her face is on the, uh, on the cigar band. Her picture's on the cigar band. Yeah. So she's a big part of that cigar, too. And he was just he was delighted to, to be Cigar of the Year. And he's truly earned it. I mean, uh, first of all, that cigar is remarkable. It's an amazing smoke. I hope you you've had a chance. To oh try yeah. And hope you're, Listen, oh, the, good. Okay. I, I, the day you announced it, I had just been picking up cigars the day before. The day you announced it, I had to hightail it back over to the store, and uh, they saved one for me because they knew I was coming back. So I had it that evening, and I really enjoyed it. Oh, that's fantastic. Uh, yeah, it's it's a wonderful smoke. I've I've enjoyed that throughout the year. Uh, I think it's. It might be the best cigar he's ever made, and that says an awful lot because this man has made cigars for more than 40 years. He, of course, was famous for making the Gloria Cubana cigars uh, many years ago. He started making those with his father back in the 1960s, and uh, he's made so many great cigars over the year. But really, this one just kind of stands apart. It's uh, 
it, it's very pleasant, it's rich, it's opulent. And I, I like to say it's one of those cigars that I think appeals not only to people like me and you who smoke an awful lot of cigars, Clay, yep. but people who maybe don't smoke cigars quite as often. It has a, a real balance of flavors that I think appeals to a very wide audience. Do you see kind of a, a, a renaissance or, or a return to the popularity of cigars in the last two, three years? I got to tell you, the sales are very good. You know, we track the import numbers here at Cigar Aficionado. And in 2017, uh, imports rose to about 330 million units. And that was a level we haven't seen since the late 1990s. And we are on pace to be um, uh, much bigger than that uh, for 2018. The final 2018 numbers haven't been released yet by the uh, um, the Cigar Association of America, but I'm expecting an increase over the 330. We might get to be as uh, high as 350 million, maybe even a little higher, if the final numbers come in very positive. Uh, so the, the 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 market is robust. It's uh, uh, unit sales are up. Um, cigars are moving in, um, in in very good numbers, despite the the efforts of the U.S. government to make it extremely difficult for cigar makers to come out with product. To what do you attribute it, though, the the spike in popularity again of cigars? I mean, I've, I've enjoyed them for a very long time, so for me, it's it's kind of the way it always has been. But I do notice when I go into some cigar stores that there are more people there, and you'll you'll hear more and more guys asking about, you know, different types of smokes. What, what do you attribute this, this uptick to? I think it's a couple of things. The quality level right now in the market is exceptional. We, uh, we've been giving a, a, a very high scores, uh, scores to a wide number of, of cigar producers. Right now, if you go to a cigar shop, I'd say it's, it's easier than, than it has been in many years to, to get a fine product. You know, it helps to, to use our ratings to, to guide you to the, the, the best of the best. But by and large, the, 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 the quality level out there is, is good uh, and very good. It wasn't always that way. If you go back to uh, you know uh, many years ago, especially during those uh, those early years of the cigar boom in the 1990s, there was uh, a lot of very poor quality uh, cigars on the market. As people you know uh, rushed rushed to try to meet this crazy demand, uh, right now that's not the case. The cigars out there are, are exceptional. There's a lot of varied companies making very very good cigars from a variety of sources and in a variety of different ways with different flavor profiles so you've got a great quality level out there and and the other thing too i think is the cigar remains that affordable luxury you know uh, you know most people i, I certainly can't afford to uh, buy the, the the finest car in the world or maybe uh, uh, own the uh, the greatest watch in the world, but you know what? That number one cigar is about eleven dollars and fifty cents before Absolutely. taxes, and yeah. and that's an affordable luxury right there. So, finest cigar in the world, as rated by Cigar Aficionado, uh, you can get it for less than twenty bucks. It's not too bad. You know, you referenced the videos, and obviously, you you, you guys don't do twenty five of them. You do the the videos that talk about the top ten, and it's always interesting to hear the backstory on some of the manufacturers who make it in to the top 10, specifically the surprises. A, a friend of mine wanted me to ask the question about shockers that make it into the top 10, like, for instance, the Lunatic by JFR. Were there any in there when you found out what it was, you were thinking, wow, I, this really, this is, is going to be in the top 10? The, the Lunatic is a shocker. I got to tell you, that <laughs> one really surprised me. Uh, I mean, it comes from a company with great tobacco, comes from Aganorsa Leaf. They grow wonderful tobacco in Nicaragua. But the Lunatic blend uh, was always, it was named Lunatic because most of the sizes are, 
were crazy thick, 70 ring gauge, 80 ring gauge, uh, thus the name lunatic. Got to be honest. Traditional. Got to be yeah. honest with you, Dave. It's, there's nothing more uh, more odd than walking into a cigar store and seeing a guy dragging on a 70 ring gauge cigar. That uh, <laughs> I can't get used to that, bro. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't like smoking cigars that are too heavy for me to lift in my mouth. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> That's right. <laughs> <laughs> but this Lunatic uh, Habano Short Robusta that we rated number seven, it's more of a traditional size, 52 ring gauge, which isn't all that thick uh, nowadays. Uh, it's a delicious cigar, and it has kind of a has an uncut foot, which uh, means the wrap relief kind of extends at the foot. And so when you first light that cigar up, the only thing you're smoking is that wrap relief, and it's a very good wrap relief. Uh, from Ecuador, grown from Habana wrapper. But the best thing about that lunatic is that cigar only retails for five dollars and ninety-eight cents. So it's a, it's a true rarity. It's a it's a number seven cigar, so it's a top twenty-five cigar from us. But it's also one of our best buys of the year. I mean, you know, uh, six dollars for a for a cigar of that quality. That's a ninety-three pointer. That's a that's a remarkable achievement. And that was a true. That's one of the true surprises of the top twenty-five for me. I did not expect a JFR <laughs> lunatic to make the list, but boy, it's it's it, it's really good. It is, and, and you, you made reference to something that I've talked about before. A, a buddy of mine here owns a restaurant, and they, they also sell wine in the restaurant. And I, I tell people cigars are like wine. You don't have to buy the most expensive cigar to get one that's really good and that will you will really enjoy, much like wine. Wine doesn't always have to be expensive to be enjoyable. What do you think about that observation? I think it's a very good one. I think, uh, you know, it's not too hard to grab a wine list and pick out a an expensive trophy. I think most people can do that. Right. I think the true talent is when you look at that wine list and you have a, a someone with an expert eye who could find those hidden values and really, you know, get you a great bottle of wine at, a, at an affordable price. And the same thing holds true with cigars. You know, the um, the JFR is a great example. The the fact that the most expensive cigar does not always get the highest rating happens all the time. It's one of those things that we, we unveil every issue of Cigar Aficionado in our, in our blind tastings. And that's why we do them blind, because when you don't know what the cigar costs, it's, very, uh, it's, it's easier just to have the cigar go against the other cigar just on the basis of merit, how it tastes, how it performs. Uh, if you don't know that the cigar you're smoking is a $6 cigar, that's how you can give it a, a rating that's higher than, say, a $20 or even a $30 cigar. Happens happens all the time on our pages. You know, it, one of the cigars that is a mainstay in the top 10 is, well, not just that cigar, but any cigar by the Padron family. And I find that their cigars have a distinctive taste, and, and it's a good taste, but it's distinctive have there ever been any in there, even though you're doing the blind tasting, that when you're having it, you're thinking, okay, this this seems like a Padron, or this seems like, uh, you know, a, a, a my father, or, you know, pick pick a brand. But has that ever happened? Well, when you smoke as many cigars as we do, it's it's inevitable that sometimes you smoke something during the blind tasting and you start to think, oh, I think I know what this is. Uh, I What I do and what I instruct my tasting panel to do is to keep that out of it. If you think you know what it is, put it in the back of your head, try to ignore it, rate the cigar on its own merit. I mean, there's there's some distinctive shapes out there when, you know, it, you're pretty sure you know what it is, you know, certain Hemingway shapes or maybe a chisel, even though there are some copycat sizes of, of each of those uh, each of those particular sizes, more than likely it's the one you think it is. But we just try to take that out of the equation and not to not let it influence our rating. Uh, 
whether it's a distinctive flavor or a distinctive shape or some other thing that maybe <laughs> has you thinking that you know what the cigar is. But even though sometimes you think you know what it is, sometimes you get fooled too because there's there there are, there are some similarities of flavor between between certain cigars. It's it's interesting because you mentioned the call to EP Carrillo letting him know that he had the number one cigar of the year. And one well, of it's actually it's actually him calling me. Don't forget he found uh, that's that right, that's right. He called he, he called you. Um, but it's interesting because and because you referenced them not knowing. So they go into mm-hmm. a year with a, an allotment of tobacco and a game plan for what they're going to do quarter over quarter and in that year over last year. So when the cigar is named cigar of the year they're it, they're gonna have that spike in interest in the cigar and so for so many of them once they've sold out of them it kind of creates a little bit of an issue can you talk about that a little bit yeah certainly it it, uh, it definitely becomes an issue for the company uh, and and cigars are one of those things where you know unlike other consumer products you can't just turn a switch and and double production overnight. You right. can't just ramp it up quickly unless you have the tobacco and in inventory, uh, unless you have the all the the, the, the things in, in place to make that happen. It's a very difficult product to, to, to change the production quantity in a, in a rapid fashion. And typically, if you do, you end up hurting the product. So, yes, it builds up a demand. So what typically happens is there tends to be a, a back order situation uh, of the cigar of the year early on. The Encore is a cigar that was made in pretty high quantities, certainly higher quantities than some of the cigars that we've named Cigar of the Year recently. The uh, Eye of the Shark from Arturo Fuente, the 2017 Cigar of the Year, was hard to find before we named it Cigar of the Year, even though they made pretty good numbers of it. The Andalusian Bull from the Florida Minicana, 2016 Cigar of the Year, that was not made in very high quantities because it was a a cigar made by two cigar rollers, but it was just so good it was named Cigar of the Year. The Encore is a little different. Ernie makes a lot of those Encores, and he'll be able to shift production from maybe some of the other sizes, which have a very similar blend, to focus on the majestic that we named Cigar of the Year. So that's th- this one should be easier for him to fulfill the the production of uh, compared to some of those other ones. Even though he didn't have the uh, the advanced knowledge of knowing that it was going to be uh, Cigar of the Year. You know, I have had this conversation with people who are starting cigars, and, and there's a debate with newbies who who just believe the absolute best cigars are Cuban cigars, and Cuban cigars are really really good, but that's not necessarily true. There are some great cigars that are Nicaraguan or Dominican Republic or Honduran. And I always enjoy that when the top 25 is released, you guys don't go super heavy on Cuban cigars. Is there is there some methodology behind that, or is it just the luck of the draw? Well, you know, we, the, the Cubans are in there fighting for their spot just like the others. Uh, and actually, I thought... The uh, uh, my lead horse going in was the H. Upman Sir Winston, which ended up being number five. I thought that cigar was uh, was a good contender for cigar of the year, just because uh, uh, it was such a it's such a rich, beautiful smoke, um, usually consistently so. But it really it did well in the in the in the final ratings. I mean, number five, ninety four points. That's pretty darn good. But it just didn't have that consistent performance to, to to make it go higher than that. And that's one of the difficulties that Cubans have in our top twenty five. Uh, consistency can be an issue, uh, even though Cuba has made great improvements uh, improvements recently in the level of production. Uh, you know, 
having a cigar with it without draw problems, with a consistent performance, it's still not quite up to the level of the non-Cubans. The non-Cubans really have aced uh, the art of construction and consistent construction. Um, you almost never get a draw problem in a non-Cuban cigar. It used to be endemic, but uh, I don't know the last time you've had a plugged cigar or a, a cigar that wouldn't right. light. Yeah, uh, but I, I'm going to guess uh, if, if you're smoking non-Cubans an awful lot, I'm going to guess you don't have that problem very often. No, no, not not very often at all. And you know, speaking of non-Cubans, the the wise man Maduro, I, I went to get that one right when the when the announcement of of it was made. But you know, they were sold out, and I need to get by. That is kind of an unknown company making making it into the top ten as well. No, that was a big surprise for me too. I mean, uh, wise man comes from Nick Melillo. He's had another top 25. I think it was number 25 of my memory serves. It certainly wasn't a top 10. Uh, with the original version of this cigar, which was called El Wawense. El Wawense is a, a Nicaraguan phrase that loosely translates to the wise man. I think he did pretty well with sales of El Wawense, but uh, I, I'm having a hard time pronouncing that name. I've done it three times. <laughs> I'm on a roll right now. I don't want to stop. So he, he came up with a follow-up to it. He said, instead of calling it that very hard-to-pronounce name, I'm going to call it the wise man. And I think it was doing pretty well for him uh, from the get-go. It was a pretty recent launch, uh, but it really did exceptionally well in our in our in our um, top 25 tasting, going all the way to number three with a 95-point rating. Uh, that's a really nice cigar from a, a very small company. And even though Nick is a small company, Foundation Cigar Company is tiny. Uh, Nick has some chops in this business. He used to be a big player at Drew Estate, uh, basically running the factory in Nicaragua, which is uh, w- one of the largest cigar factories in the world. So Nick knows his stuff, and it really, uh, it really shows in this this cigar, which is delightful. You know, it, you, you mentioned Drew Estate. <laughs> is there a more eccentric cigar manufacturer slash designer than Jonathan Drew? I love any oh, any it, video yeah. he's in. He's <laughs> it's just entertaining to watch the guy. Oh, he, you know, he's a, he, he's an artist and he, you know, he acts like an artist, performs like an artist and he is eccentric and he's ex- exceptionally talented. Um, uh, I'm actually surprised one of their cigars didn't make our top 25. They had a, uh, uh, a promising candidate going in, uh, the Pappy Van Winkle, which did uh, pretty well in our original tastings. It just didn't quite, quite make it to our top 25 this year, but John is a great guy and quite, quite a creative character and, uh, and we all love him in the cigar business. One of my favorite uh, offerings from him is the Kentucky Fired Cured, and they produce, I think, some of that tobacco in St. James Parish here in Louisiana. And I saw that at, uh, at the IPCPR. He was talking about that tobacco, and it's got that smokehouse flavor to it. It's one of the only kind of flavor-infused cigars that I, that I go for, so I, I enjoy the work that they do. Yeah, I, I did want to ask you about uh, about something else here, and, and you guys talked about it in the magazine, and that was the passing of Richard Overton, who was the oldest living uh, man in America, but also the oldest living World War II veteran, who was an unabashed cigar enthusiast, and I always loved, I always loved stories about him. Kind of talk about Richard Overton to people who may not be familiar. Uh, you know, Richard Overton was... Quite a man. Uh, very sorry to see him pass, uh, but boy, did he live a great life. 112 years old, as he said. Uh, I had the pleasure of interviewing him a couple of times, and he loved his cigars. He would typically wake up around you know three or four in the morning, uh, brew himself a pot of coffee, walk out to his front porch, 
light the first of one of the dozen or so cigars he would <laughs> wow. smoke in a day. Yeah, and he kind of just sit there on his porch and you know watch the world go by, and people would come and uh, and visit him. Uh, he remained very active into his into his hundreds. I think the first time I interviewed him, he was 109, and he had told me he had just you know raked the front lawn. Uh, he talked about driving. Uh, you know, I asked him. I said, "Mr. Overton, you know, I always called him Mr. Overton." I said, "What? What's the secret? You know, how do you? Uh, what's the secret to such a, a, a long age?" And he always said, "You've got to move around, stir your blood up. You know, don't let your blood sit there. You, you got to keep your muscles moving." And so I, I'm actually doing it now. I'm standing up. So every time I, I would talk to Richard Overton, I'd stand up a little bit. I figure I may have a shot of, uh, you know, I, I've got the cigar part down. So maybe if I stand up a little bit more, I could live as long a life as him. Man, and he. Go ahead, go ahead. And, and he was, you know, you said he's the oldest living, he was the oldest living uh, man in America and the oldest living veteran of World War II. You know, he, uh, his boots hit the hit Iwo Jima. You know, he saw action in uh, the Pacific Theater, uh, some of the you know, toughest battles uh, the U.S. fought. And uh, he said he saw friends die, you know, bullets whiz by him. He just didn't know why. He, he never got hurt, never got hit. Um, uh, he was a lucky man. And uh, he met presidents, uh, he met governors. Uh, he was uh, treated as the, uh, the the American veteran hero that he was, and uh, deservedly so. We loved him at Cigar Aficionado, and uh, uh, we're we're sad to see him go. But boy, what a life! 112 years old. That's uh, that's a pretty good one. 112 years old, and and you said it best. What a life! And I just enjoyed all of the tributes that were paid to him because he has seen so much of America in over a hundred years. And, you know, a dozen cigars a day, every day with whiskey. And man, that is my kind of guy. I forgot about the whiskey. That's right. He called it his medicine. He put a little whiskey in his coffee sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> well, listen, you know, I'm at, at this summer, man, I'm going to be up there for a few days and hopefully I can get by and we can, uh, and we can have a cocktail and a cigar together over there. I'm looking forward to seeing that facility. We are overdue for that, so come on up and see us. Uh, love to have you here. Well, listen, Dave, thanks again. Another great year. Loved all of the stories. Oh, interviews from last year. Who stood out as the personality of the year with all of the covers you had from last year? Oh, the, you know what? I'm going to uh, go a little rogue on this one. I'd say the personality of the year from last year was a person who died some years ago. We put... We dedicated an issue last year to Winston Churchill. Yes. And Winston Churchill is one of my favorite people from history. Yep. Uh, we, 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 we talked about the film Darkest Hour. Yep. We had uh, the great uh, American author John Meacham do a, a story about uh, how Churchill was as a leader, remarkable writer, writing a remarkable story about a remarkable man. And we interviewed uh, the retail shop in London, one of the retail shops where he bought his cigars. They actually had pictures of the ledger. J.J. Fox? J.J. Fox. So we we dedicated an issue to Sir Winston Churchill, and it's, uh, that was my favorite issue of the year. That one stands out. Uh, above all others. Our readers loved it, and I loved it. And I'm, I'm looking at the cover right now. It's making me smile. Man, that is something that is on the list to do is, is get over there and go have a cigar at J.J. Fox. I want to sit in James J. Fox. And, and isn't, isn't there a parlor or a chair or something there that they have maintained that Churchill used to either sit in or go to that spot or something like that? You know your facts, Clay. Absolutely. There's a, there's a chair that where, where he used to sit to select his cigars. There's a ledger he signed with his handwriting. There's a little mini Churchill Museum over there. I think it's a must-visit for any cigar aficionado. Well, it's on my list, man. And, and again, I always enjoy 
everything that you guys do. I said in the open, I referred people to the video section of the website, CigarAficionado.com. And not only can they see the reviews of the top 25 cigars, they can see conversations with people. And I referred to the interview with Michael Jordan, which no matter how many times I watch he and Marvin talk, it is still fascinating. (laughs) Those are a great series of videos. Those two have a rapport. (laughs) And it, it was something. The moment... Marvin dropped an F-bomb in, in the interview. You could tell Mike was like, game on. And then he rattled off about four. It's like, okay, all right. You know, Where else can you find Michael Jordan <laughs> dropping F-bombs and smoking cigars? <laughs> Only at CigarAficionado.com in our video section. <laughs> so, so listen, uh, uh, man, I appreciate it again. I hope to see you this June. I'll give you the heads up before I get that way. And, uh, and thanks again. And have a great 2019, brother. Thank you so much, Clay. Back to wrap up in just a moment. It's Manners in a Minute, presented by Manners of the Heart. At a press conference following his team's devastating loss, no coach in his right mind would blame the cheerleaders for their defeat because cheerleaders don't win or lose games, coaches do. When it comes to parenting, are you a coach or a cheerleader? Cheerleaders yell about how great their team is even when the scoreboard doesn't agree. Parents who only cheerlead do the same. They try to boost their children's spirits in the face of an athletic defeat, low test score, or a disappointing placement in a contest rather than helping their children prepare and perform better the next time. However, parents who coach help their children prepare and perform better the next time around. They teach their children discipline and help them develop the skills that will help them succeed. Coaching, not cheerleading, will lead your children to victory. Tune in this week as we discuss why parents need to coach, not cheerlead. This is Jeff LaDuff, retired chief of police for the city of Baton Rouge. I'm Kelly LaDuff, co-owner of Open Eyes Safety Training and Consulting. Open Eyes is focused on providing quality safety solutions that give businesses and employees the skill set needed to recognize and react to dangerous situations. On a daily basis, we hear yet another story of workplace violence or active shooter. Open Eyes offers a unique approach to keeping you and your businesses safe through site analysis, technology recommendations, policy review, and employee training. To set up a consultation for your business, call us today at 225-313-9713 or visit us at our website at openeyesafetytraining.com. We say keep open eyes because 10% of our population cause 90% of our problems. See them before they see you. I really could sit and talk with Dave about cigars and that magazine all day. Look forward to sitting with him when I'm up there this summer, enjoying a fine premium cigar and great conversation. Thanks, Dave, for making yourself available to us. And to you out there who are not subscribers to that magazine, do yourself a favor. Get a subscription to Cigar Aficionado. You will thank me for it. Not It's, it's primarily about cigars, as I've said before, but it is also about so many other things. We referenced one of them, and that is... Uh, Those are the stories that they tell about Americans that you may know about and some you may not know about or people throughout history like Winston Churchill. And I always enjoy reading the articles in the magazine and then learning something because you'll learn something in every one of them. So check out Cigar Aficionado. You won't regret it. Well, we're working our way towards episode 200 of The Clay Young Show. There are two new podcasts that are beginning this month, in addition to the return from my hiatus of The Waiting Room podcast. A very busy January is on the way. Thank you so much for 
being with us on this ride. Remember, like and share on Facebook when you see posts about the show. Tell your friends about us. You can subscribe on the Apple Podcast app and get new shows, not just this one, but any offering from Podcast 225 whenever it comes up. And remember, you can email me directly, clay at podcast225.com. Follow me on Twitter at ClayYoungBR. On Instagram, Clay underscore YoungBR. And on Facebook, just Clay Young. Thank you, guys. Have a great, great 2019. And we'll catch you next week here on The Clay Young Show. Thanks for listening. Join us next week for another edition of The Clay Young Show.